0: We're going to be in Luke chapter 6, and let's bow in prayer as we open the word. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to open your word and to share. We ask you to guide and lead as we look at your word and show us what you would want to see in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 6, starting at verse 39, and Jesus' spoke a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into a ditch? The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. And why behold you the mote in your brother's eyes, but perceive not the beam that is in your own? Either you, how can you say to your brother, brother, let me help you with the mote in your, in your eye, when you yourself behold not the beam that is in your own eye? You hypocrite, cast out, first the beam out of your own eye and then you shall see clearly to pull out the mote that is in your brother's eye. For a good tree brings forth, cor- brings not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. And every tree is known of its own fruit. For it, for of thorns men do, gather, do not gather figs, nor the brambled bush gather g- grapes. A good man, out of the treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the tra- evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of your heart his mouth speaks. This is very interesting. I debated on how to break this up because each one of these, in the verses I have, there's four different points in each one of them. They could have made a very full sermon in and of themselves. So we're going to Quickly go over the four points on this. He starts out with this saying, Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? And this is kind of interesting because the word blind has a literal sense of being blind and a moral sense of somebody not being able to see truth. I think Jesus was making a play on words here because he was listening. The disciples were listening. The, the uh, Pharisees would have heard them because in Isaiah 9:16 he talks about blind, leading their people into error, or uh, Isaiah 9.16, excuse me. Uh, And so I think Jesus was talking to them and saying, don't listen to these blind leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes, that aren't teaching you correctly. So the question is, what does this mean for us? We need to be very careful about who we listen to to be our teachers, especially in this day and age when we can watch television preachers, listen to the radio, We have a church on every corner here in America that you can pick and choose your pastors. Uh, And, you know, most people do not pick and choose a pastor that will teach the Word of God. They pick and choose a pastor that makes them feel good, which is why there are so many churches with tens and twenties and thirty thousand people that have no message of God, because they don't want to offend anybody in their church by speaking the truth. And we need to be spoken truth to, all right? And you all know I listen to lots of pastors. On my car radio, I have the channels that preach. And I like to listen to the preachers. I like to listen to people speaking God's word. Because I need to be taught as well. I need to be challenged to get outside of my comfort zone, my way of thinking. Does that mean I agree with everybody I listen to? No. And I've told you all, I hope you all don't believe with, agree with everything I teach. Because that would scare me. All right. Now I have been studying for 50 years. I think I'm right. Otherwise I wouldn't be standing up here teaching. All right. Uh, Now I might find out in heaven that there were some places that I didn't fully understand. But you know on the basics I know that I'm right. I know that I'm solid on the basics and I need you to agree on those ones. But beyond that I'm not worried if somebody disagrees and you all know what I've asked is can you defend what you believe. Can you explain why you believe what you believe. Now, when it comes to the Bible being God's word, that's a solid. You better believe that one, or you're in trouble. All right. You better believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven, because other than that, you're in trouble. You know. Beyond that, there's not a whole lot that we have to say. You must believe this way, or else. Now, there are things that I think are very solidly biblical. You know, we're having a creation study here in two weeks because I believe in creation. I believe it's the only thing that answers. I do not believe in the lies that science teaches about evolution. Okay, um, I didn't believe them when I was in high school studying science, and I don't believe them anymore now that I've gone through college and everything else. I know that they are unscientific. So there's certain things that we look at and we go, "I think it's very important." Can you be a Christian without believing in evolution, uh, believing in creation? It's possible. I don't know why you would be, but it's possible. If God didn't create everything and Adam and Eve didn't fall and cause sin and death and disease to fall into this world, then why did Jesus have to die? So it's very important that we understand and believe the Bible because it lays the foundation for everything. And then once we have the Word of God in us, then we have light to be able to see and God gives us sight and we can make cor- correct decisions. You know, uh, how many of us had made a decision doing things our own way and what we thought was right? not go into the Bible. I've done it more than once, <laughs> several dozen times at least, if not hundreds. <laughs> yeah. And how many consequences come out of those? We face those consequences, and the consequences last a long time. So we want to be led by people who can see. You know, and I think this is quite an interesting picture. He goes, two blind men walking down the street, you know, leading each other. You know, Uh, hey guys you're walking right into a to a to a traffic uh, you know jam oh no we walk this way all the time we're okay but you know we make that very funny and Jesus was kind of being funny on this but how many times have we walked right into a disaster without seeing it because we weren't in we weren't asking God we weren't following God's ways and if not How many times have we seen somebody walk into disaster, a family member or or a friend that's walked into disaster because they will not open open their eyes and be led by somebody who can see? And this was critical to the Jewish people because they were being led by the Pharisees and the scribes who would teach them to do things, but they didn't follow the ways that they taught people. So you need to make sure you get a teacher who's trying to live out what they're teaching and know these things. This is my problem with a lot of the televangelists and radio guys. I don't know them. I know what they say over the radio, and sometimes it sounds really good. But I don't know them. I'm not in their church knowing who they are. And so it's important to know your teachers a little bit. Then he went on to say a very interesting thing. He says, the disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Now, master is a very interesting idea because it's his teacher who is teaching them. And Jesus is telling the disciple, you will become like the person that you're taught by. And this is very much what we understand to to be true. You know, we even have the saying, birds of a feather flock together. All right. You will hang out with people who think like you do. And if you are not thinking like they do when you first start hanging out with them, you will eventually start thinking like they do. This is the problem when people get, when when you get into a wrong group, usually usually think of teenagers, but people get in with the wrong group. And they start thinking like that group. Whatever that group is doing that's anti-God. And this is why it's very important. I'm not saying stay away from the lost world, because if we stayed away from the lost world, we'd be in trouble. Nobody would be able to evangelize. We'd have nobody to evangelize. But I am saying that your best friends, the ones you hang out with, should not be the lost world. If all you're doing is hanging out with the lost world, you are probably going to become more like them than they become like you. It's very easy to pull people into the mud than to be pulled out of the mud. And we've seen this over and over again. Somebody will get married to somebody who's not a Christian thinking that I'm gonna get them saved by being a good good Christian and before long, they're they're not in church and they're not reading their Bible and they're not praying because they got pulled down. And this is what Jesus is saying. Those that are, now they, they use the word perfect. And this word really should be that they are made like. They are fully trained up. Have you noticed as you learn more about the Bible, how God gets more of your heart, more of your life, and you change? And it happens so slow. You know, And I, and I challenge us oftentimes, you know, don't look back at next week or last month, but look back a year ago or two years ago if you are really following God, you should not be able to do the same things today that you could do five years ago. You know, and the problem is we just, it happens so slow that we don't even realize it. And all of a sudden we look and go, well, oh, I don't do that anymore. I don't even want to do that anymore. And this is the beauty about being a Christian. It's not a whole set of rules that say, you can't and, you can and can't do certain things. It's Christ coming in us the Holy Spirit indwelling us and changing us over time. And slowly we get to the place and say, wow, I don't do these things anymore. Because how many times have you witnessed to somebody and go, well, I just can't be a Christian because I can't give up in whatever their sin is. (laughs) I hope you have an answer for them because I'd I'd have a good answer for them that was taught to me a long time ago. I didn't ask you to give up anything. I just asked you to accept Jesus. If Jesus comes into their life, eventually he will get them to give up what it is they think they can't give up now. Because he will change them from the inside out. He will make them spiritual. He will give them a new heart. He will clean them up. I don't remember how many of you remember when you first got saved. But what things changed in your life very quickly when you first got saved? A lot of people, their language gets cleaned up very quickly after they get saved. Their their habits get you know get cleaned up very fast, you know. Each one of us will have something that changes in our in our heart when we get saved, and then over time God works out other things and takes out other things and takes out other things, and all of a sudden you realize and you go, well gee I can't smoke the cigarette anymore. I just it's not honoring God, or I can't use this word anymore because it's not honoring God, or I can't watch this TV show because it doesn't honor God, or I can't you know. And all of a sudden we we look back over our life and say, God has taken a lot of things away from my life. And it's got to be God if it's going to be real. How many of you have ever, t- don't raise hands. <laughs> How many of you have ever tried to get something out of your life and you're struggling really, really, really hard and you just can't get rid of it because every time you're trying to get by it, all you do is think about whatever it is, whatever it is you're trying to get out of your life. we need to be careful because it needs to be God changing it I can't get enough discipline to finally clean up my life and I'll never clean it up good enough to please God but Jesus said that if you're like your master you're learning from your master you will become like that person and this is true for all of us the more we hang out with somebody the more time we spend with somebody the more we become like them so the more we spend time with Jesus the more we will become like him. Because that's just what happens over time. The less time we spend with him, and the more time we spend with something else, or someone else, the more we will become like that person or thing. Now, how many of you ever said something and you wondered where it came from? You know, sometimes, hopefully it's good, it came from church. <laughs> okay, you know, you're loved, you're cared for, we, you know, all these things. But if you ever said something and realized it came from your favorite TV show that you watch religiously every week and find yourself starting to repeat the words that they say. Now, we need to be careful how easy it is for us to be infected by what we spend time with. What fills our heart will come out. And I've said this many times, how long does it take you to talk about God in a conversation with somebody? It will reveal reveal, how God, important God is to you. Can you go weeks without talking about God? Can you go days, hours, minutes? I'm not saying you have to talk only about God and, on, and all the time about God. But you know, one thing out of the prison, everybody knows that I'm a Christian. Well, they may not know I'm a Christian, but they know that God's important to me. Because at some point during the day in a conversation with them, I will talk about God. Now, when I'm teaching my class, I can go a long time without te- talking about God, as long as one of the inmates don't ask me about God <laughs> during the class. But it's not an unknown thing because people know that God is important to me. And it's not just because I'm a pastor. It's been, he's been important to me f- since I first got saved at 10 years old. You know, how important is God to you? And I'm not trying to make you guilty about anything but just think about that. If he's not coming out then what is important will come out. Start paying attention to what you speak about. What is important down in your heart? What is the what is the bulk of what you talk about? For a lot of people it might be family. Family's all they ever talk about. And that's a good thing. Family's good. But does God come out? Yeah. I'm a I am used to be a big sports nut. I used to talk all the time about sports all the time it was very obvious that sports were important to me especially one particular sport (laughs) and you know and all of a sudden God said I need you to spend more time with me And I started spending more time with him and that became less and less important to me and less and less spoken about what is it that is your thing that you are becoming like are you becoming like Jesus and God or are you becoming more and more like the world And this is very important for us as Jesus is telling the disciples. Then he gave a very interesting story. He says, Why behold you the mote in your brother's eye, but perceive not the beam in your own eye? How can you help your brother and say, Let me pull out the mote in your own eye when I've got a beam sticking out of your own eye? Now in Greek, this is very interesting because he's talking about a little speck of sawdust or or chaff in, in your brother's or sister's eye. While you've got a great big two by four sticking out of your own eye. You and you start picturing this, here, let me help you, as they're smacking them upside the head with a beam in your own eye, trying to pull a little tiny piece of sawdust out of their eye. But you know, this is kind of interesting because don't we do this a lot? It is so easy for us to see the problems in other people's lives and not see the big issue in our life. And you know what's even worse about that? The issue that we're usually bothered by in their life is what we already have the bigger problem with. And we're trying to help them with their little problem, and we can't get rid of the big problem in our own life. This is why it's so important that we don't sit in judgment of other people. Because God is going to work in our life, and he wants us to work in our lives. And you know, it is the Spirit's job to work in their their life, not my job. Now, when you're a parent, you do have to correct your children. You have to put them on the right path. But you know what? There comes a time when you're not responsible for your children anymore. And it's hard sometimes when your children are going down the wrong path and you're going, I just want to get them and strangle them and spank their butt and get them back on the right path again. And it's not your job anymore. And all you can do is pray for them. But you know what? Even in our children, what bothers us the most is things that we see in our own life that's a problem. At least it is in my case. When I see them doing the same things that I have done or have or am doing, it's, it's a big bother. And Jesus made this kind of very comical story. You know, uh, you're you're sitting there, and if you got to picture of this, you know, guy with a big two by four out of his eye, trying to pull something out of somebody's eye. You know. Uh, is kind of a very funny picture, but that is what God says we're doing. When we're trying to help a person out and we have a problem, we need to not be doing that. And I shared with you more more importantly, if you're not praying for somebody, you have no business even trying to help them clear out a sin in their life in the first place. Because if you don't love them enough to pray for them, you definitely don't love them enough to be criticizing anything about their life. And I've told you so many times, I've prayed for somebody and you know what God usually does? He fixes them. I don't have to fix them. I'm praying for them and they change or God changes me, one or the other. I think more times he changes me and I don't care anymore because it's between them and God. And this is what's critical for us. Are we able to let God work on his own children without us getting involved? It's hard. (laughs) It's hard. It is hard to do that, to say, okay, you're in God's hands. I had one of my children one time that he had gotten, and he was doing some things, and I finally said, I, I wash my hands, but I'm putting you in God's hands. About a decade ago, he told me he remembered that conversation because it scared him. It scared him that dad was not going to be dealing with him anymore. God was going to deal with him. But we need to be to the place where we say, God, they're yours. They're yours. I'm yours, come and fix me. We sang two songs that talked about us being broken and melted and and molded into God's image. You know what, if you've ever tried to melt something down, it melts a lot faster if you crush it first and God is good at crushing us first and then melting us down and forming us into what he wants that crushing process is not fun it is not fun to be crushed and have your sin exposed and brought to brought to light now if we respond to god and our sin and we repent and we give it up easily it's much easier for god to dig it out if we try to hide it god is still going to dig it out and we won't like the way he digs it out He tells us that our sins will be shouted from the rooftops. It's a lot easier to repent from your sin and not have it shouted from the rooftops. David's sin with Bathsheba was shouted from the housetops. Everybody in the kingdom knew about it. How many televangelists have gotten into sin and been exposed to the world because they would not humble themselves and repent? Now, you still have consequences. No matter what you do, there's consequence for sin. But the consequence is a lot easier if I go to God and I repent before he's having to expose it to everybody than to have it brought out in the open. My encouragement for you is go before God. Go into first, first John 1 John Confess If we forget, confess your sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness. Not get rid of the consequences, but forgive you of all unrighteousness. Keep putting it off. Keep trying to hide it. God opens it up. How many of you have had your sin revealed to others because you would not deal with it? I'm going to encourage you, deal with it quickly. Keep short accounts with God and let your sin be kept under between him and you under the blood. Because he says, we can't help one another anyway. We really can't. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict somebody. Now, if you love somebody, you've been praying for them, and there may come a time when you go to them and say, I am very concerned because I've noticed this. But be praying for them. And make sure you're in a relationship with them that allows you to talk to them about it. You don't go up to some random stranger that you just saw, you know, you see every week in the, in the store, at the restaurant, and they get drunk every week, and then you go, you know, you really shouldn't be getting drunk. You don't have a relationship to be able to do that with them. But you know, if you've been praying for somebody and they're, they're a gr- good brother or sister and you come up to and saying, I've been really praying for you. I'm really concerned about this this area I'm seeing in your life. And make sure it's done in love. Now, are you happy when somebody corrects you even if it's done in love? Not usually. <laughs> you know, you're usually a little upset that somebody dared to correct you but if they really love you, they will correct you gently. And there is a time for correction, but be careful. Make sure that you're not judging them for something that you already have a problem with, because if you've ever tried it, you're gonna have just what Jesus called them, hypocrites. (laughs) And they're gonna tell you very quickly that you're a hypocrite (laughs) trying to correct something that you're suffering with already. So do your prayers. Make sure that you know what's going, what is going on in your life and pray for others. You know, the Christian walk is something that's fairly simple in on one side. All we do is surrender to God. Surrender to God. If you're, if you're wanting God to see God work in your life, surrender. Give up your life and your rights. Now we say, when I just said, give up your rights, how hard is it for us as an American to say, I'm going to give up my rights? Because we're built on everything. It is my right to do, my right to do, my right to do. I hear it all the time in the prison. This is our rights. And they have to hold on to whatever few rights that they get because they don't have a lot of rights being put behind prison. But you know, we as Americans have a real problem with humbling ourselves and giving up what we perceive to be our right and that makes it very hard for us when we're dealing with somebody else because we want to exert our rights and expect them to listen. We need to be very careful. What is our right before God? To surrender to him. He is Lord and master of our life. We're to do what he says. And what he says is not always what we want to do. Ladies just finished with Job. And it's funny that Sunday school class is just starting with Job. Now, Job was a very godly man. Righteous man. God said he was perfect in his eyesight because of the way he offered sacrifices and he hated evil. And what did God let Satan do? Take everything away from him how many times does God let Satan make our life hard lots and lots and lots (laughs) I I really do wish that the prosperity gospel was a good gospel get saved and everything goes good it's not what the Bible teaches it's what our world teaches especially in America it's what Europe taught for a long time before it fell, fell apart. Christianity falls apart under that gospel because it's a lie. Jesus said, they hated me, they will hate you. He says, you're not gonna be above your master. We will suffer. And we go, well, why is God gonna put us through suffering? Because we grow. We grow with suffering. Without suffering, there is no growth. If you're trying to build up your body and lose weight or build muscle, you're not going to do it without exercise. I hate to tell you that. There's no magic pill that's going to get rid of your weight. There's no, you know, you can diet till, till the end of time, and you might lose a little bit of weight, but you're going to gain it right back as soon as you stop dieting. Without exercise and building muscles, you're not going to lose the weight. You're not going to get toned up. Now what does exercise do? It it tears and rips the muscles so that they grow and get repaired. To do good exercise hurts. It hurts to do exercise because it, it does damage to the muscle to be repaired. And God knows that we need this in our life. When God says, here's a truth, and you're going, well, God, I really believe your truth. And then he says, okay, let's put you in a test and say, do you really believe my truth? And he does that for the rest of our life. Here's your truth. Okay, God got it. I believe it. And he puts you through a trial. To say, do you really believe it? God, I really want, I know that you want me to love my fellow believers. Well, you haven't fully understood his truth, but let's start there. You're going to find somebody in the church that's very hard to love. And you know what God's going to do? He's going to put that person in front of you every time you're in church. And say, well, you, you told me you want to believe that you are supposed to love the, other, the fellow believers. Then you really get good. You get really spiritual. You finally love all the people in the church. And then God says, oh, by the way, you weren't supposed to just love the people in the church. I want you to love everyone. Maybe he'll be nice to you and you'll start out with family, <laughs> which might not be nice for some people. And he goes, now put you into this next level. His word is going to be taught to us and we're gonna say, God, I believe your word. And he's gonna say, do you really believe it? I love the verse, Romans eight twenty-eight: for all things work together for good for those who love God and called according to his purpose. You know what? Every time I go through a hard trial, I have to remember that verse because God's gonna say, do you really believe this? Do you really believe that all things work together for good when everything is falling out from underneath you? And I've been there. I've been there when it seems like everything is falling out from beneath me and it's like God, I, you know, I'm holding on to this verse because there's nothing left underneath me. I'm holding on to your verse. What is God teaching you? Be ready when he teaches you something because you're going to face a trial in that area. You know, is he teaching you patience? Is he teaching you love? Is he teaching you to keep your word? You now. Now, that's a real easy one for me because I was trained up all the time. You keep your word. From a young young person, I was trained to keep your word. That one's fairly easy for me. There's other places that are not so easy for me. What is God teaching you? Be ready for the test. Because he's going to test. Because when you say, yes, God, I believe you, he's going to say, oh, do you? Do you believe me? How many of you ever had a teacher who said, you know, I'm not giving you tests. I'm giving you opportunities to show what you know. That is what God's tests are, an opportunity to show what do we truly know and what do we believe. And this is very important for us. The last one I wanted to bring out on this one is, he says, Every good tree brings forth good, good things. And he says at the very end of that, Out of the abundance of your heart, you show what you are. How many of you have seen a Christian, let's well, stick with a Christian, somebody who says they're a Christian and you look at them and they never go to church, never read their Bible, and they're always drunk and they're always partying, and they're always playing playing around, you know, and, and you're going, uh, something's not right in this situation. And you don't even have to judge that one. It's just nothing matches up to what they say they are, you know. Uh, You're with somebody, maybe they even come to church. They look good, but every time they talk about you or somebody else, they're critical. There's no love in in their heart. And you're going, God, are you really in their heart? We should be seeing God come out of people who say they're gods. We should be producing godly influences if God is living in us and he's who we care about if he's the treasure of my heart. How much time do you spend with God? We talked about earlier, we encourage everybody to read the Bible through every year. Now, more people in this church read their Bible through every year than in most churches because we encourage it so much. You know what, in most churches, you're lucky if two or three people or two or 3% of the people have read the entire Bible in most churches. Very important and then we'll say this is the book of life. This is what I'm keeping my life on but I don't read it. There's something wrong with that statement. I'm not going to live out what God says because I don't read it. I might read my five or six favorite verses and you know what's wrong with that is most of the time they don't even quote those ones right and they're taken out of context. How well do we know God's word? How well do we know God? Is He truly dwelling in us? If He is dwelling in us, He will be making changes to who we are and changing us to be more like Him. And I can be more loving, I can be more, more joyful, I can be more forgiving, I can be more peaceful, I can be more edifying. All of these things are the fruit of the Spirit. In, in Ephesians 6, it gives us the fruit of the Spirit that we're to love one another, we're to be joyful, we're to be long-suffering. Oh, wait till God starts teaching you to be long-suffering. <laughs> all of you have been there, I'm sure. And you find that person who just irritates you all the time. And God says, how long are you going to allow, you know, or put up with them? And we look at how long God long suffers with people 1,500 years between, a little over 1,500 years, between the creation of Adam and the flood of of Noah before God said, okay, I've had enough. I don't think any of us have put up with anybody anybody or anything for 1,500 years. The nation of Israel came into existence, and they decided they wanted a king, and God put up with them for about 1,500 years before he finally sent them into captivity. God is long-suffering. He asks us to be long-suffering, and we think, we think we've done well when we put up with somebody for a week, a month, maybe a couple years, and then we let them have it. Now, and we need to be careful. Out of the abundance of our heart, we will speak, we will act. What does your action show other people? When people look at you, are they seeing good fruit, good actions, or are they saying you're saying all the right things and acting totally different? We need to be careful. God's going to forgive and all of that, but you know, there's an old saying out there that that you are the only gospel that many people are going to read that, that don't know Jesus. What is the gospel message that's being spoken by your life? Is it a hypocritical life that people say, well, "If that's what a Christian is, I want nothing to do with it." And I'm not saying we can be perfect because we can't be. But you know, they should be able to look at us and say, "I see something different in that person. I see peace. I see joy. I see consistency. I see something above and beyond human life. I see something I want." Because if you're acting just like they do, they're going to go. No. You know, why do i want to become a christian and you know i i've got the the lack of peace i've got the lack of love i've got all these things i've got the lack of all these things that you know that i don't know that i even want or need but when they look at a strong christian being living by god they see something they want you know people should be looking at you and saying that person has peace not perfect peace but You know, do we go through most of our trials with somewhat of a peace? Do we go through most of our activities looking at God and seeking God? And you know what? If we fail in front of somebody, we have to do one of the hardest things that there is possible to do, and that's to apologize to them. Apologize to our children for the bad example that we've been, or that are. (laughs) Apologize to that lost person who saw you lose your temper. You know what, I really shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry, it shouldn't have happened. I, I, it was bad for, for you to see it and it was bad that, that God, you know, toward God. Be humble, be humble. I know this one person that he is the most arrogant person and he talks about God all the time. And he actually is at the prison. And everybody says, you know what, I don't believe a word he says. And his doctrine's good. He knows God, he follows God, but he has such a level of arrogancy that nobody will listen to him when he talks about God. We need to learn to be humble. Just as Jesus was humble, Jesus was humble. He came from heaven as God and came to this world to live as a man and never once did he say, I'm God, I'm not gonna be bothered by any of this. He lived a very humble lifestyle. What do we have that we have that is so important to us that we won't let it go? I had an individual who thought her testimony was so important, and when something made her look bad, she just went ballistic. And it's like, is it your testimony or is it God's testimony? We need to keep this in mind. It's God's testimony that he's living through us. I am glad it's not my testimony because I'd be in trouble. I know that there's nothing good in me. I know that I'm a terrible person deep down in the heart. If God hadn't put a new heart in me and changed my life, He wouldn't want to know me. We need to be able to understand just that. Everything that's good about us is God. And we want to be able to to reach out and touch Him. And He does the work. It's a great thing, He does the work. We come to him and we say, God, I'm a sinner. Come into my life. He comes into our life. The Holy Spirit lives in us and changes who we are to be more like him over time. This is why we can't be judging one another because we don't know where they're at and where God's at with them. And I have seen so many times when somebody has gone after somebody's sin that they see and dragged them away from something that God was working in their life on that was worse. Uh, this is quite extreme, but if we take somebody and you're going, well, you shouldn't be smoking. We hammer on them about smoking, and they've been going out uh, committing adultery and, and, prostitu- and, and participating in prostitution all the time and die of sexually diseases, and we were worried about their smoking, which is probably going to kill them too, but it will take a lot longer to kill them than, than the other sin that we were worried about. Maybe they're abusing their family, and we're worried about the, something that we see them doing. And God's saying, you know what? I'm worried about this thing that's hurting the rest of their family, not, not that little issue that you're worried about. Pray for them, yes. But let God be God in their life. Why do I say that? It's because we want God to be God in our life. The last thing I want is people to be picking on me and saying, well, you need to change this. You need to change this. You need to change this. And I'm going, God hasn't told me to do that yet. He's, he's, he's got other things he's working on me in we need to learn a very important lesson. There is only one God and we're not him. Now, too many times we want to be God in other people's lives. Sometimes we wanna be God of our own life. There's only one God and we're not him. And the more we learn that, the better off we're going to be. When we let God be God in our life and God be God in other people's lives, it makes life a whole lot easier. You know, I have enough trouble with me. I don't need to be having trouble with everybody else around me. How miserable it is to try to be God in everybody's life. Play the Holy Spirit. I'm going to get this person convicted and I'm going to get them to change. And God's saying, you got your own problems. Deal with those. So as we, get, as we look, I want to leave this on a little higher note. God is God. <laughs> Let him do the work for you. And worry about just letting God work in your own life. Don't fight God. It's a losing battle. I've tried. And it can't win. And the sad thing is, you only make your own life miserable. You make your family's life miserable. You make anybody else around you life miserable as you're fighting God. And eventually, he will win. So just learn to surrender. Learn to surrender to God. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love, your care. Lord, we ask that for each person in this room that you teach them to surrender today to you. Lord, if there's anybody listening online that doesn't know you, that we ask today that they will confess that they're a sinner and ask you to come in and cleanse them with, through your blood and to live in them and that they will share that with another Christian or with us here. And we just thank you for all of that. In Jesus' name, amen listening friend do you know where you'll go after you die without the gift of Jesus it will be an eternity in hell without God good works will not get you there for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God not of works lest any man should boast to spend eternity with God we must recognize that we are sinners in need of Christ for all of sin and come short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord to be assured eternal life We simply talk to God, admit you are a sinner, and ask Him for His free gift. You must mean the words to to be answered. Jesus is waiting to hear your request. If you have asked Him for eternal life, He has come into you, and He will change you. Start reading the book of Ephesians and see what God says about your new life. After you understand the book of Ephesians, you can start reading the Gospel of John. Next, find a good Bible teaching church. Tell the pastor about your decision for God and be taught. If you contact us, we will send you a new believer booklet free of charge. Congratulations and grow in Christ. You can contact us by email at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or by snail mail at P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona, 86431. We are happy to help with your new life in Christ or even answering Bible questions. Again, congratulations on your decision for Christ.